0: Well, good morning, Village Church. Good, it's good to see you this morning. Um, Easter was awesome. <laughs> if you missed it, it was awesome. We had, uh, we had about 100 people here, which was really cool. Blew out that wall. Not literally, we actually just pushed it back, and uh, we had um, some uh, fellowship time afterwards. We liked it so much, we're actually thinking about installing that as a permanent part of what we're doing on a regular basis, so stay tuned for that. You'll see some changes happening as we get into the summer months that i think you're going to really enjoy but for now i get the privilege of opening god's word with you so let me ask you a question to kind of lay the foundation for where we're going today has, have you ever been in a situation where somebody has said something to you and uh and maybe it's a statement of facts or it's just a, a statement of belief that they had and you knew that it was flawed in some way you knew that there was a hole in the reasoning or you knew that it was it wasn't well thought out, or you, you knew that this 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 worldview that you were hearing, whatever was being communicated to you, was just not it was was just not right in some ways. Have you ever been in that situation? Uh, maybe it could happen in a classroom, or it could happen with your friends, or it could happen with your even your family, and you got into a situation where you think, nah, that's there's something wrong about that. It's just not right. And then and then a little while afterwards, you start thinking about the conversation. And you think to yourself, oh yeah, that's where that hole was. That's where that. That's where the flaw was in, in the reasoning. you like George Costanza. You remember that where, he, uh, where he, uh, he's, he's eating all that shrimp and do you remember this one? And, uh, and they said, um, <clears throat> the guy said, hey, George, the ocean called and they're running out of shrimp And he couldn't think of anything to say back to the guy. You remember that one? You don't. Is Seinfeld that old that nobody remembers it anymore? And then he's driving home and he thinks to himself, oh, the jerk store called and they're running out of you. Do You remember that? Do You remember that? It was a terrible comeback. It was awful, but, but he thought of it so late that he, he, he had to now manufacture a way that he could go and he could do the comeback with the guy. Well, we live in a world that constantly p- promotes worldviews, ideas to us, and we are constantly in, in a state where we have to have an answer. We have to have something to back up where we stand and where the difference is between what we believe and what we're hearing communicated to us. I want to tell you this, and this is where we're starting this whole conversation this morning, and it's, it's right here. All worldviews that exclude the gospel of Jesus Christ are inevitably flawed. All worldviews that exc- are inevitably flawed. A lot of them, in fact, I would say almost all of them, if not all of them, are so brittle that they're one question away from having the whole thing unravel, the whole worldview unravel. The problem is, we have to be wise enough, we have to be in tune enough to be able to have that right question to ask, to be able to unravel the falsehoods that we're receiving. One of my professors in seminary uh, used to say to me, he said, you know, Craig, Smart people don't have all the right answers. Smart people know how to ask the right questions. And we live in a world today that has a lot of questions, and for us as believers, we need to know how to, ch- how to challenge those questions with the right questions. Let me introduce you to this king that you probably have heard of before in the Old Testament. Uh, and we, he gets a bad rap a lot of times, but today he is going to be the wisest man in the world. And his name is Nebuchadnezzar. Have you heard of Nebuchadnezzar? Yes, no, yes. Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar was king of Babylon when Daniel, Shadrach, and Meshach, and Abednego, Yor Meshach, and a bungalow, these guys were carried off into captivity. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar has uh, not absolutely destroyed Jerusalem, but he will, and he will r- uh, raise the temple to the ground, Solomon's beautiful temple. And these exiles are taken away, and they're t- held in captivity in Babylon. They had to learn a new language, they had to new, learn new studies, they had to learn a new culture, they they were completely fish out of water. While they're there, Daniel, Shadrach, and Meshach, and Abednego are all chosen to do a specific job for the king, King Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar. King Nebuchadnezzar, uh, in his day, one of the worldviews of his day was they valued dreams. In fact, dreams were one of the ways that the gods would speak to you. Now, I know that may sound a little weird today, <laughs> maybe not in some cultures, but in, in, in most cultures in the world today, certainly in ours, that seems a little bit weird. In Nebuchadnezzar's day, the way God spoke to you is you had a dream. Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. Actually, he had a nightmare. And he knew what the dream was, and it troubled him so much that it's not clear if he had the dream over and over and over again, but what we know is this, the dream impacted him so much that he was no longer able to sleep. He would go to bed, he would toss and he would turn, and he was lacking sleep and he was worried. And so he decided that he would take advantage of all of the mystics and the soothsayers and the magicians in his court. He called them all together and he says to them, I need you to interpret my dream, but this dream is a little different from the ones you normally interpret. The ones you normally interpret, uh, that's fine, I'll take your interpretation, but I'm wondering if you've been lying to me this whole time. So." If you're really mystics, if you're really magicians, if you're really that in touch with the supernatural realm, I don't want you just to tell me the interpretation of my dream, I want you to tell me the dream. This is where we pick up in Daniel chapter two and verse five. Look in your Bibles, if you would, in Daniel chapter two and verse five. Daniel, uh, Daniel or sorry, Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar wants to be sure that this interpretation is gonna be correct, and so he asked the guys to tell him not only the interpretation, but also the dream, to make sure they're not you know, pulling wool over his eyes. The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, so you've got magicians, Chaldeans, these, these mystics, are all gathered together there, and he says, the word, uh, the word for me is firm. If you do not make known to me the dream and its interpretation, you shall be, now get this, <laughs> This is not just take your best swing. If you don't do it, you're going to be torn limb from limb and your houses shall be laid in ruins. But if you show the dream and its interpretation, you shall receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. Therefore show me the dream and its interpretation. Difficult, right? Now we're going to get into how the mystics felt at this point. You can just imagine how they would feel, right? We're so used to just interpreting dreams. Let's pick something out of the sky, and yeah, you know, the, big, uh, uh, the big marshmallow means you're hungry. That's what they're chasing you. That means that you've got to go on a diet. You know, just make it up as you go. But telling the dream, that's a difficult thing. And if you don't do it, you're going to be torn limb from limb. I'm, I'm guessing that's not a really comfortable situation to be in. Nebuchadnezzar had been fed a worldview from his culture. The worldview in his culture said that if you have these dreams, that is the God speaking to you, so pay attention. Because something in there is important that the gods want you to know. That's what everybody believed. Nebuchadnezzar was king, so he was fortunate enough to have all kinds of soothsayers around him that would help him understand his dreams. Everyone believed this as a fact. Dreams are the God's means of speaking to people on the earth. And so he decided that he would put the mystics to the greatest test. He asked the question they could not answer. The question that challenged the worldview that he had been taught his whole life If you really can interpret the dreams of God speaking to me, then you should be able to also tell me the dream. If that's your gift. They claimed that they had all the answers from the gods for the king until the king finally asked the right question. King Nebuchadnezzar in this way was very shrewd. And this is one part of Daniel where Nebuchadnezzar doesn't look like a total fool. In fact, he looks pretty intelligent. He is willing to challenge his worldview, challenge what he's been brought up to believe, challenge what his culture has told him, challenge what his culture believes by really asking the difficult question and putting that worldview to the test. So let's talk about these unraveling questions. When you ask an unraveling question to somebody who believes in a specific worldview, that becomes a threat to them in the world in which we live today. What I mean by that is, it threatens the whole foundation of what that worldview says. In 2008, if you saw my uh, my uh, video for this weekend, actually, um, it, yeah, in 2008, Pastor Rick Warren held a, s- a symposium where he interviewed uh, McCain, who was running for president, and he also interviewed Obama, who was then running for president. He brought, uh, uh, then, uh, Barack Obama, not yet president, in, and he asked him the question, are you pro-life or pro-choice? And Obama said, I'm pro-choice. Then Rick Warren asked him the question that would unravel his pro-choice stand. Rick Warren asked him, when does a fetus get human rights? Good question, right? When does it, because if he says, if, if Obama says that a fetus gets human rights in the womb, That breaks down the worldview of abortion. And so Obama thought about it for a second, and then, um, um, then not President, but now President Obama, said his answer, and his answer was, that is above my pay grade. He wouldn't answer the question. Now I'm not here to pick on any one person, I'm not here to pick on President Obama, I'm just making a point. If you get pregnant and you are human, you are going to have a human baby. Llamas don't come out of humans. I mean, you get a human baby. If you're pregnant, then that human life begins to form in the womb. And the only thing that can stop that human being from forming in your womb is an act of God, sickness, something like that, or you can, people can. This is an embryo at uh, 15 weeks. And if, If you believe in a worldview that agrees that abortion is is permissible, then you must be able to answer the questions to defend that worldview. The problem is when you get to those questions that begin to unravel that worldview. So, this makes everybody uncomfortable, right? makes us very uncomfortable when we tackle the questions that deal with the the solidity, the the solidness of that worldview, how firm is it? The question really is, the question that unravels this, does the act of abortion end a human life that has already begun? That's the question. And if it is a human life, then it does have rights, no matter what size it is. All right, so that's uncomfortable. Let's move on to another one. Let's talk about evolution. This is a worldview. Evolution is a time, uh, this particular the beginning of life, this part of the evolutionary theory, believes that everything began with a big bang. This big bang is called this point of singularity. And this is how it's taught. Maybe you guys in school have seen this diagram before. But this is how it's taught. That, that light right there, that is the point of singularity where the universe begins. And the universe is ever expanding, so it continues to evolve and it continues to grow. But it began at a singular point, thus the point of singularity. Now that's a worldview. But don't ask this question, what happened to cause the point of singularity? Don't ask that question. Because there is no logical answer. Now, if you don't believe this, just go home and Google it because I I looked it up. I thought somebody, you know, somebody smarter than me has got an answer. Here is the gist of what you will read online. This is what came up. I think I have it on the screen. Any answer to this problem where this point began, this this big bang began, any answer to this problem, by the way, that's two nothings colliding to make something, right? Which we've all seen in our lives. No. Two nothings colliding to make something, this point of singularity. Any answer to this problem must begin with a key realization, and here it is. Both time and space are contained within the universe and came into existence only after the Big Bang occurred. The cause of the universe must not include time and space. They are not available to us. It must come from outside our experience. So that is a whole bunch of words to say what? Nothing. We have no idea. That's a whole bunch of words to say, we know it didn't occur in time and space and because we only understand time and space, we can't really answer that question. Every theory of the world that excludes the gospel of Jesus Christ is one question away from being dismantled. Now, Please understand, I am not anti-science. I didn't march yesterday in the, in the pro-science parades. I, di- I didn't do that. I don't think I've ever seen one before. It's kind of interesting. I'm wondering how many different parades we can think of marching for. Um, but anyway, it was a pro-science parade. Yay, go science. And, um, and people used it to, to march and say, hey, we're pro-science. Hey, so am I. I didn't march, but I'm pro-science. I am not anti-science. But here's the problem. Science has knifed God in the back. Science has kicked God out a long time ago, and you cannot do proper science without including the truth of Jesus Christ. You can't do science without including the truth of God. It can't be done. Or else you're left with silly statements like we just read. two nothings collided to make something. Where did the nothings come from? I don't know. How do they collide? I don't know. When there's no time and space, how did they come together? I don't know. It seems like a whole lot more faith to believe uh, in that than it does to believe that in the beginning God created. Let's go with another one. How about the evolution? How did life begin? Uh, second law of thermo- thermodynamics. Have you ever heard of the second law of thermodynamics? Blah, blah, blah. Uh, if you read this in your, uh, in your science books, it's very complicated. It's, there's a lot of different parts to it. Um, there's, there's many different laws of thermo- thermodynamics. Blah. But the second law of thermo- thermodynamics boiled down says this. The second law of thermodynamics says that when energy changes from one form to another form, or matter moves freely, entropy, or what we call entropy really is disorder, continues. Do you know what that means? That basically means that anything that has a beginning is eventually coming to an end. It begins to disintegrate as soon as it begins. That's what entropy means. If your body goes into entropy, you're in trouble, all right? So entropy is a bad deal. Entropy means you need to insert energy in order to keep that thing functioning. The second law of thermodynamics clearly says that everything that begins uh, enters into a process of entropy entropy and begins um, begins to move into a state of chaos or disorder. Now, the very theory of evolution says that chaos created order. The second law of thermodynamics says Order moves to chaos. Now, I don't need to do anything more to this uh, than to say to you that, ha- have you looked in the mirror lately? <laughs> That's horrible, isn't it? Do you think you're, 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 you're moving in a better direction? I mean, is it getting better for you? I don't know about you, but I can't even move my shoulder after I unload this trailer in the morning. It's, it's uh, I, and I'm, I'm only 47, I'm thinking, no, 46. Not 47 yet. Uh, coming up, June 27th, greatest day of the year. Uh, but we are moving to a state of disorder. Our bodies fall apart. We, we, we have more moans and groans. We, we don't... I, theory of evolution says that we decided there were some things we didn't need, so we dropped them off our bodies, and eventually we moved into the state that we are uh, today. The very foundation of the theory of evolution is that absolute chaos brought absolute order, and that does not ever work in any other process of life. So, I'm just bringing these things up um, as worldview illustrations to show you that every worldview that excludes God, the one true God, is one question, one really good question away from being dismantled. Let's go back to the story. The mystics say to the king, seriously, we can't tell you the interpretation until you tell us your dream. And they argue with him. You know what Nebuchadnezzar says to them? You guys, I know what you're doing. You're buying time. You're trying to make me slip up and tell you what the dream is. You're trying to buy time. It's not gonna work. You either tell me what the dream is or I'm going to kill you and I'm gonna raise your house to the ground. Look in verse 10. The Chaldeans answered the king and said, listen, there is not a man on earth who can meet the king's demand. For no great and powerful king asks such a thing of any magician or enchanter or Chaldean. So, what has been your experience when you ask people the question that challenges their worldview? And maybe that's already happened this morning. Maybe I'm asking questions about some worldviews that you hang on to yourself, and maybe that's already happening to you here this morning. What what is the emotion that goes through your body? when, Or what is the emotion that goes through someone's body when you ask them that question that challenges their worldview, that they've held on to, that they've adopted, that everybody believes this, I believe it too. What is their natural,